Okay, for the word today. <laughs> Usually if I preach, I prepare well, write down many notes and many scriptures, and I said to Jesus for about two weeks already, because I, I knew for a while now I'm going to preach today. I don't know what to preach about. I don't know what to preach about. He needs to speak to me. And if there's not something specific coming in my heart, I'm not just going to open the Bible and just write down anything. Because I really believe that when somebody brings the word, it needs to be the voice of Jesus speaking so that it can change our lives today. So yes, I can bring a beautiful word with eloquent words and all of that, and it can be nice but it will not necessarily be life-changing. So, so the two weeks went on, and every day I'm asking Jesus, what are you going to show me? What are we going to say? And nothing came up. So this morning I said to, to Jesus, okay, I still don't have anything specific that I want to share. I have lots of words in me. I can share many things. But what is that specific word? So I was still in Rustenburg at the conference, and driving back here, I was just praying in the Spirit, just enjoying the, the presence of Jesus. And he showed me an example, and I knew what the word was for today. So I want to give you that example. As I was driving, the speed limit on the road is 120 kilometers per hour. So I don't want to have a traffic fine, even though I actually, maybe I shouldn't say it out loud, I actually like to, uh, to drive a bit fast, but I don't like the fine, so I try to keep to the limit. So, but you know, because I have a little small car with no you know, funny, grand stuff. So you know that to, to, to stay on exactly 120 kilometers per hour is almost an impossible thing. So what I do is I look on the road and every, I don't know, three minutes my eyes go down. Then I see I'm either under 120 and then I put a bit foot to the gas or I'm a bit over 120 and I relax a bit or, you know, you want to overtake. And so all the time goes up and down, but never just exactly 120 degrees. And God just showed me this metaphor. He said that in life, in our walk as a Christian, we have a certain goal where we want to get that. So I was in Rustenburg area or Coastal area. I want to be in Pretoria. Okay. So for me to, be, to, to get to Pretoria, I need to keep my eyes on the road. If I'm not going to keep my eyes on the road then I'm not going to get here. I might land up in a bush somewhere or maybe in another town, I don't know where, but I'm not going to get to my destination. But, so I'm keeping my eyes on the road, but every now and then, because I need to look at the, the speedometer, I, I, for a second, take my eyes off the road. So Jesus said to me, in life, our destination is to, in manifestation, be perfected. To look like Jesus, we all. That's what we want. If you're a Christian, you, you know, doesn't matter in what church you are, your heart's desire is, is that you want to look like Christ. You want to be more like Jesus. You want to speak like Him. You want to do like Him. In everything, you want to look like Jesus. Now, there's ways and there's ways, and we're going to speak to <laughs> about it today. But um, I realize my destination is that I want to be like Jesus. Now, if I want that perfection, I need to keep my eyes on the road, meaning I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. So, but now I have to 
every now and then, I have to look at my speedometer. So it distracts me from Jesus. And Jesus showed me, the law is like this little car of mine. <laughs> I need to get the new car, I think. It's like this little car of mine where I have a goal where I want to get at. I know where my eyes have to be, but because there are certain regulations that I have to follow and that I have to adhere to, now because of that, I take my eyes off the road every now and then and very often. And Jesus said, when you have a better car with control, speed control, what? Cruise control. You can just get your eyes, you can just get your speed to 120. You can put on that cruise control and you never have to look at the speedometer again. You can only keep your eyes on the road. And Jesus said to me, grace is like that. It gives you that ability to stop measuring yourself. Am I doing okay? Should I go a bit better? Should I go a bit less? Should I do a little bit more? Wanting to look at Jesus, but every now and then I'm a bit distracted, looking at myself, looking at my circumstances, looking at how I'm doing. Is my speed okay? Am I doing okay as a Christian? It takes away all of that, and it gives me the ability to only look to Jesus. And that really blessed me this morning because I said to God on the way, I said, you can speak to me this morning, even while driving. You can give me a word. You can say to me something personally. And that is what he showed me, is that grace gives me the ability to look to Jesus. Now, why that was so special to me is that we hear this often. We hear, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Look away from all that distract unto Jesus. I hear this message. I hear I have to look to Jesus. And in my heart, I so desperately, I want to look at Jesus. I want to keep my eyes on the prize. I want to keep my eyes um, on, on Jesus. I do not want to be distracted. But before I see, I'm distracted again and I look at my speedometer. And it's going at 120 because I am on speed, speed um, control. But I'm so used to my old way of living, I'm so used to my little small car that I forget that that I'm running at 120. So I still look, still look down. And it's so special to me because Jesus said when you hear the word of grace, it gives you the ability to keep your eyes on Jesus. So when the word says, look to Jesus, look away from all that distracts, it doesn't expect it from you from a natural point of view. It doesn't expect you to look at Jesus knowing that you will fail. The word of grace imparts to us that ability that we can look. Because if we continue to look at Jesus, if we can continue to look at Jesus, we will look like him, we will speak like him, we will act like him, we will in manifestation be fully like Jesus. So this word of grace does not does not demand from us. Listen, this Jesus thing, okay, you want to go the Jesus route? <laughs> now just keep on looking to him and you feel frustrated because how can I look to, to him? It gives you the ability to do it. So let's go to a few scriptures. I want us to start Acts 20 verse 32. Okay, Acts 20 verse 32. It says, And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to, to
to His protection and care. And I commend you to the word of His grace, the commands and the counsels and promises of His unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. So he says, Rerum, speaking to those who believe in Jesus. The word of grace is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. So the word of grace, when these words, these words that I am speaking to you, as it lands in your ears, it is building you up. It is not, I'm not giving you today a command that you need to go and do in order for you to be built up. I'm speaking a word of life and the word itself has the ability to build you up. But that word is the word of grace. And we'll go into to more detail just now. So the word of grace, first of all, is able to build you up. Okay, what is that building up? That building up, let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's read it. Ephesians 4, let's read from 11. It says, And his gifts were some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in him. So then we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of the cunning and the cleverness of the unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. For because of him, the whole body closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. So, Jesus said that he gave us gifts. Now, a gift is somebody that is able to build you up. So what is the building up? The building up is the fullness of the stature of Christ. It is the perfection of Christ. Now, if you remember in Hebrews 10, verse 10 and 14, it says that by the single sacrifice of Jesus, we have been made holy. We have been been cleansed, perfected. um, So 
in spirit, remember we are soul, spirit, soul and body. In spirit, it is true that when you believe, in spirit you are perfected. The Holy Spirit cannot come and live in someone that is not perfect. You will die. So the Spirit comes, He cleanses you, He makes you holy, He lives in you. The only holy thing about you is the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But we know now, Romans 12 speaks of it. It says, let, Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So the mind, the emotions is your soul. So that still needs to be transformed to look exactly like your spirit. Same with our bodies. Our body still needs to be perfected. Romans 8 says that the same power who raised Christ from, from the dead is able to, to build you up. Okay? It's able to give you life even in your, in your body, in your mortal body. It's, it's able to give you life. So that our soul and our bodies can be fully perfected to look like, like our spirit, to look like Christ. So when, if we go back to Ephesians 4, when somebody brings a word, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, whoever it is, that word needs to build you up, needs to bring you closer in manifestation to who Jesus is. Okay? So what is the difference between some, a word that can build you up and a word that will break you down? A word that will build you up is a word of grace, and the personification of grace is Jesus. So, John 1 says, Jesus came, or the Word became flesh, and He was full of grace and truth. So, Jesus is full of grace. So, if the Word of grace, Jesus is the Word, full of grace. If the Word of grace, Jesus Himself, is able to build you up, then it, needs, then it means that I, as a preacher, need to speak to you the word of grace. Jesus being full of grace. And what is grace? Grace is that power of God that brings forgiveness. It is that power of God that, that gives you love. Romans 5 verse 5, it says that um, the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts. Okay, So the grace of God is giving us the power to live a life of faith. So it is, on the one side, it is pardoning all our mistakes, iniquities, Isaiah 55. It, it pardons us, but on the other side, it also enables us to live a life of faith, to live, let Christ live through us. So grace is not this thing of, um, okay, now I can do what I want, meaning sinning, no, it means now I can do what I want because the desires of my heart has been changed so I can live for Christ. I no longer live for myself. I live a life for Christ because He has bought me with a price. So when I bring a word of grace, it means this word needs to be focused on Jesus and what He did for me. If I bring a word that tells you how you need to change, that puts you into an effort to try to please God again, it is a word that breaks you down. Because in essence, I am saying that you are not there yet. But Christ has paid the price 
has given you his fullness in spirit. He has given you everything. So you have life already. You have eternal life. Now, as our minds are transformed by the preaching of the word, we, we think new, we think different um, about our lives and our circumstances. As our mind is transformed in our body, in our souls, we are transformed to be like Christ. Um, so this word of grace is able to build us up and give us our rightful inheritance. What is that inheritance? Ephesians 1, I think it is verse 17, but Ephesians 1 says that we have received the long-promised Holy Spirit. Um, he is our inheritance. He is the, the seal with which we, which was, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that. <laughs> we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The long-promised one is our inheritance. So, like I explained to you from... Um, in the offering of uh, in Romans 8, that when Jesus um, was given to us, all things were inside Jesus given to us. So the Holy Spirit was poured out. And in the Holy Spirit are all things. Where was it poured out? Into our hearts. It was poured out into us. Romans 5 verse 5. So we have received all things. Now this word of grace, when you hear it, it is able to give you that which God has already give, given to you so that it can be manifested in, in your life. So it is true that God has already given you healing. He says, by his wounds we are healed. Yesterday, tense. By his wounds we are already healed. But now, like, I still have this, this pain in my knee. A word of grace comes to you and says, you are healed. And it is manifested in our reality. Okay. So, God has given you abundance, prosperity. Okay. Poverty is a curse. Poverty is not a blessing from God. If you go and read Deuteronomy 28, it just gives you an idea of what is curses and what is blessings? Now, Jesus has, has come to fulfill the whole of the law. We're going to look at it just now. The whole of the law. So he doesn't, we only, we don't put the curses aside and take the blessings of the law. No, we put the whole law aside. God has given us a new covenant, a new testament. He has given us something new. But it just gives you an idea if you read it. Poverty is under the curses list. So poverty is not this holy thing. That God has come to bless you with so that you can stay humble for him. <laughs> Poverty is a curse. If you look at, at, at the world, at any third world country or developing country, you will see that where there's poverty, it doesn't mean people are more holy. In The opposite is, is rather true. So he became poor. God who had everything... He was rich, but he became poor on the cross so that we can be made rich. That is what the word was saying. So now we have received all things. We have inherited all things. We are co-heirs with Christ. But I, don't, I still have my little tiny car. I don't see my brand new car yet. You are maybe waiting for a house. Maybe something specific that you know God has already provided for you. The word of grace 
is able to build you up. It is able to give you your inheritance. So by just hearing a word, you can receive what God has already given. We don't need to beg God. Somewhere in Matthew, cannot remember where, it says that we can ask him whatever, whosoever can ask whatsoever, and believe that it is granted to him, and he will receive it. So we, if we can really, if our minds can be transformed to realize that all things is already granted to us, when we ask, we will see it. But we think we still need to beg God for it, or at least do something nice, you know, to deserve it. We still have that, that mindset. So we think maybe, you know, this year, you know, if I can just, maybe I should just start with healing some sick people. If I heal some sick people, then I can maybe deserve a better car <laughs> or that house I've been. You know, we, we classify these things. Healing the sick is, is a very spiritual, holy thing, but a car is not that holy. God says he wants, you know, we have these strange things, how, how we think about possessions, how we think of the gifts of God. God says all things. All things are all things. In the Hebrew, in the Greek, in any translation, all is all. Okay. So he has given us all things. That includes for our bodies healing. It includes for our living, like we read in Matthew 6, that do not worry about the things. <laughs> um, do not fret or be anxious because even though the heathen look for it and they work for it and they give up everything in order to gain something of this world, God knows that you need them. God knows that you need them. He knows that you need a new car. He knows that you, he, he needs a, you need a new house. Why? Because when we produce fruit, it glorifies our Father. John 15 He's the vine, we are the branches. Whoever bears fruit glorifies God. It is by His grace and it is for His glory. It is by His grace and it is for His glory. It is not because you were good, it is not to make you look good, it is for His glory. Okay? But it will be very nice. I'm like, God, thank you. I will be that vessel. You can use me. Give me all your grace for your glory. I will receive all the good things. <laughs> you understand? Or you can choose the, the road of poverty if you want to. But I'm saying to you, God has enough that anybody who wants to receive from him can because he has already granted, he has already given. So it is not something that we still need to get from God. We don't still have to beg him. He's paid a price. He has given it. It is now yours now, hear the word of grace that is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance. Okay, let's move on to a, to a next scripture. Um, we are still in Ephesians 4. Let's go to verse 29. I'm going to read this one in the King James. It just says it so nicely. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the years. So it says, let no corrupt communication. Corrupt communication this morning would be if I give you a word of the law, that would be very corrupt. 
because the law has been fulfilled in Christ. And if I tell you you need to be better to become like Christ and you need to do step one, two, and three to receive something from God, that is very corrupt. <laughs> um, the law bring, bring, brings corruption. If you, um, I read it, where did I read it this morning? I think in Matthew 5. It speaks of David. Um, and let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Let me tell you about Oh, don't worry right now. Okay. It says that God promised to David that he will see no corruption. But you know that David saw corruption. Okay. So he was speaking of Jesus being a son of David. That Jesus will see no corruption. Now David saw corruption. He was still living under the age of the law. So when I say let no foul or polluting words or a word of corruption come from my mouth. I'm saying do not minister a word of the law to you because it is not able to build you up. But let your words impart grace to your hearers. So that is what Ephesians 4 verse 29 is speaking. That the word that we speak is a word of grace, a word of forgiveness, a word to say that you have been made righteous, you've been made holy, and not a word of the law that says that you still need to attain a certain degree of, was a certain standard. Okay, so I quickly want us to just go to Matthew 5, speaking of this fulfillment of the law, because sometimes people struggle with this verse. Matthew 5 is 17. It says, Do not think that I have come to do away with or undo the law of the prophets. I have come not to do away with or undo, but to complete and fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until the sky and earth pass away and perish, not one smallest letter, nor one little hook, identifying certain Hebrew letters, will pass from the law until all things it foreshadows are accomplished. Whoever then breaks or does away with or relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall called least important in the kingdom of heaven, but he who practices them and teaches others to do, do so shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness is more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, the first thing it says that Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Now, if we read Romans 10, verse 4, it says, For Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. For the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its types, and in him the purpose which it was designed to accomplish is fulfilled. That is, the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him as the means of righteousness for everyone who trusts in and adheres to and relies on him. Let's read the King James Version. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. The NIV says he is the culmination of the law. So he is the height, the fullest what the law could describe, Jesus came and he fulfilled it. Why? The law demanded a sacrifice. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. 
So when we go back to Matthew 5, and it says you need to uphold and do everything written in the law, it means you need to uphold Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law, because if your righteousness is not above or supersedes that of the Pharisees, then you will not inherit the heaven. How can your righteousness supersede the, the, the Pharisees? 1 Corinthians 5 verse 21, you knew no sin, became sin for us, so that we might be the righteousness of God. That's the only way that you can supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees. <laughs> it's the only way that you can, can um, uphold the law. It's the only way that you can put out the law and say, look, I am doing and attaining and fulfilling everything that the law expects of me. It is to believe in the sacrifice that was paid in the law. And that sacrifice, when it was paid, and when Jesus came to live in you, it was fulfilled in you. Okay, I'm not going to go in, into more scriptures. So just to understand that the law... The whole system of the old, which expected you to be like Christ, it was fulfilled in Christ. And when he came to die, he overcame everything that was expected of the law, and he poured out his spirit, and we received Jesus, the spirit. We received him, and therefore the law is fulfilled in us. Go and read Romans 8 as well. Okay. So the law was then fully made perfect in us as well. Now, we have been set free from the law or the letter that kills, but we've given, been given a new law, which is the law of the Spirit of life, Romans 8. Okay? So what is this law thing then of the Spirit? Is it also a demand of me? It is just a law. What does a law mean? It means that if I jump up, I'm going to come down. It means it's a certainty. Okay, so the law of the spirit of life means there's a certainty that when the spirit is imparted to you, it will produce life in you. That when you hear a word of grace, it will give you your rightful inheritance. That when you hear a word of grace, it is a certainty that it will produce fruit in you. And that is the law of the spirit of life. That when Jesus says something, it is a surety, it is a certainty, it is how it is. He, there is not anything that can stop God from attaining his purpose. Isaiah 55, as the rain come down from heaven and does not return to it void without it attaining it, its, its purpose, so is the word of God. It does not return void to God without doing what it was sent to do. The word is Christ. So when Jesus came to die and we preaching him, we are preaching him that came to die for us. This word will not return void to God. It will not just go into the air and mean nothing. It will attain in your life what it was sent to do. God knows what you need. And his word of grace is able. Just these words falling onto your ears, onto my ears. It is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance. Okay. Let's see if there was one more or two more verses that I wanted to do. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. Then we're going to end. How long have I been busy? This is just something that God has really been showing me in this past while. He says, Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed... And therefore have I spoken. We too believe 
and therefore we speak. Okay. So, in the old or in certain ways that 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 we grew up in churches, we've been taught to to confess. I'm healed. I am healed. I am healed. <laughs> and then still, all you feel is the pain in your knee. Nothing is happening. Okay. So when he says, when we speak of confess- confessing or speaking the word of God, it is not speaking about a shallow, hollow confession just to make you feel better about yourself because now you did it. We believe and therefore we speak. Okay. So when, when I, for example, say the I bring a word of grace to you. Or I say, let no foul, polluting language come from your, from your mouth, but let grace be imparted to the ear. If I give you a word of grace, it means that I needed to receive a word of grace before I could give it to you. You cannot give money if you have not received money. You cannot give love if you have not received love. You cannot give grace if you have not received grace. doesn't mean I have to be perfect, but I need to have received that gift of grace, which is still growing and being perfected in me, but I need to have received it before I can give it to you. So there's something that I need to believe before I can speak a word of grace to you. And he says, we believe and therefore we have spoken. So when I heard, a great, heard the, the message of grace, it gave me the ability to speak grace to my hearers. But also for my own life then, if I now have a pain and I really have the the realization in my heart, but wait, Jesus died for me. I don't have to beg him to heal me. I don't have to ask him still to go and do it. He already did it. It is mine. It is granted. I can say, thank you, Jesus. I am healed and I can go on with my day. And before you know it, you will see your pain is gone. You can also go to somebody to, to pray for you. I'm not saying you shouldn't. That I really go to somebody that can lay hands on you. Go yourself and lay hands on the sick. I'm just speaking now about a word. When I hear something, I speak it. Why? The world has been created by with words. When God spoke things into existence, so all things are created by words. Things exist of words. That is the. It's what okay. So when I speak a word, words will respond to words. You understand? Okay. So that's why God said, when you say to this mountain, falling to the sea, the mountain was created by a word, so it needs to respond then to a word again. Okay. But I speak because I believe. I don't be like, mountain, move, mountain, move, mountain, move. I know it's not going to really move. That's what, you know, you hear something that it gets established in your heart, and then you say mountain move, and your mountain moves. I'm speaking about physical mountains and spiritual things, okay? All things, your problems and physical things that you need. We can speak to things because it was made of, made of words. So, in my life, when I believe, let our minds be transformed. Let us not be habitual in the way that we speak, moaning, groaning, Speaking foul, polluting things. Ah, I know this is not going to change. Yeah, this country, blah, 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 blah. Let us be mindful. So I'm not giving... It's not like I'm saying your life is not going to change if you, if, if you don't do this or don't do that. I'm saying to you that if we have now heard a word of grace, let us speak 
that word. I'm not, don't, it's not like, it's not, yesterday a friend spoke to me, she said, it seems like hard work. I said to her, when you receive grace, it's not hard work because Christ is doing it through you. I'm recommending that you continue the year, the word of grace, so that your mind can be transformed, so that your speech may be changed. I'm not asking you to, to change your speed with your speed. <laughs> Maybe that also. I'm not asking you to change your speech without hearing the word of grace, which is able to build you up. So this word of grace will build you up. It has the ability to build you up for your life to be changed. I'm just making you aware that this word of grace can also change the word the way that you speak. The way that you speak and that we moan and groan and speak about this life, it doesn't have to, to stay like it is. It's just something that I realize. We don't have to conform to this world. We don't have to be like, oh, I'm all for Jesus and still speak the way we do. It can change. I'm telling you today, this word of grace is your ability. You will, from today, you will start seeing, wow, I'm moaning less. My words are different. You will see it just, just because I'm saying it this morning, I know that your words will become different by this word of grace that you heard. I had one more thought. I wanted to just come back to the beginning. So, Frick, you were not here. I said, God showed me this morning, that as you drive on the road with a little tiny car, you have to, if Jesus is the road, you have to take your, your eyes off every now and then to check that you're 120. Mm. So that's the law. You have to check. Am I fast enough or am I too fast? All the time, check, check, check. But when you put on speed control, thus, when you hear the word of grace, it puts your speed cruiser, or what? Your cruise control. Yeah, that one. It puts, it switches on. It sets it. It sets on your, your, your cruise control and it gives you the ability to look only on Jesus. Never again do you have to look at yourself to say, measure yourself. Am I doing enough? And even about the speech, you don't have to go and measure. You don't, don't this week now, am I speaking better? You will just realize that things are changing. You will just realize that sickness is less in your body. You will just realize that your struggles are less. You will realize that your speech is different. Why? Because your eyes is fixed on Jesus. Your eyes is fixed on the road. This word of grace is that cruise control that it sets you up for success. <laughs> it just sets you up to continue in Him, to, re- to continue until the goal, to only look at Jesus. It gives you that ability to only look at Jesus. I know I said many things <laughs> in between as well, but this is the word. The word is, is the word of grace is able to build you up, give you your inheritance. It is able to keep your gaze, your eyes fixed on Jesus so that you don't have to look away, but you also don't have to try to continue to look. Just keep on hearing, hearing this word of grace. Keep on hearing. When you hear, it gives you the ability. Amen.